And welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter. I'm your host. Alongside of me is John Paulson, 444.com's the senior editor, uh, senior editor for 444.com. John, I know it was a rough one last night with your Packers losing to my Falcons. You expressed some angst over some of the refereeing from last night. Any any venting you want to do this morning? Well, I think we could both agree that the, the pick call on uh, Marty B there at the end of the first half totally changed that game. Uh, Cobb got the ball. He advanced, he matriculated the ball to midfield on that play. Uh, the Packers were down by 10, had already lost Jordy Nelson, obviously. Uh, but maybe they get a field goal there or a touchdown and they go on to come out of half with the ball. Maybe things change, but instead they had to eventually had to punt. And then I think the, the Falcons put up another touchdown. So I think the Zebras are on your side last night. And I think you deserve that after what happened in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Small consolation prize. Were you, did you feel bad at all that I had to listen to the, that crap for four four quarters? I mean, I felt like Collinsworth brought up the Super Bowl at least seventy two times last night. Uh, it's painful, I'm sure, to be a Falcons fan. Uh, but you're two and zero, so that's good. Uh, it, it is painful to, to hear the worst loss ever in the history of your franchise to be brought up for multiple times over the course of a game. It would be similar to if the if the Packers uh, or every time they did the Packer game, they always talked about the uh, the game against Seattle where they melted down the NFC Championship game. I mean, we only we only hear about that a little bit here and there when they play Seattle, but uh, it's not every it's not every game certainly. Uh, and I do agree that that pick call against Bennett was ridiculous. I mean, he was clearly just running his route. Uh, the one on Allison toward the goal line that that got the touchdown taken off the board. I think that one was a little more clear cut, but. Uh, anyways, you guys are so banged up, not having two tackles and losing Jordy Nelson and then losing Randall Cobb uh, kind of is a perfect segue into our injury fallout. But before we do that, tell us about the music. Yeah, this is a uh, band called the uh, White Denim, and this is a track. Uh, it's a single from 2017, Let's Switch It Up. It's on uh, it's on Spotify. I'm putting it onto the uh, Most Accurate Podcast playlist right now. Uh, so check it out. The biggest injury was actually in, in Carolina, but since we just were talking about your Packers, let's talk about Jordy Nelson. He left last night's game with a quad injury, and then Randall Cobb was forced out in the fourth quarter. He had a he had a shoulder problem. Any interest in Allison or Trevor Davis on the waiver wire this week, provided that Nelson and Cobb could miss a week? Well, I think uh, Allison is ahead of, of Trevor Davis. Uh, you notice we're not talking about Jeff Janis uh, much uh, in this segment, but... Uh, uh, Allison played quite a bit last year, had some good games uh, for the Packers. And if, if Jordy misses, which which I don't know, uh, Jordy has the quad. I think if I think uh, if he's able to uh, practice it all this week, he'll be able to play. Uh, I was checking out Pro Football Doc on Twitter. He, he, has, he did write-ups on a lot of these injured players. And he, he thought that uh, if Jordy uh, was able to uh, practice some this week, he should be able to play. Um, but he might. If he's not able to to put his heel to his uh, hiney, so to speak, uh, today or tomorrow, uh, he may be out a week or two. But it doesn't look like it's a serious injury. Uh, I'm glad it's not the knee. Uh, it's just a soft tissue injury as opposed to the knee. All right, let's talk about Greg Olson. He broke his foot in yesterday's victory over the Bills. He's out at least four to six weeks, if not more. It's a brutal di- diagnosis for Olsen as he's been so consistent fantasy-wise. What's your advice for Olsen owners moving forward? Well, how long is he going to be out for? Uh, is it, is it uh, six weeks or something like that? At least four to six weeks, if not more. Okay, so uh, you, you're you in a situation where you have to decide if you want to keep him on the roster. Uh, if he's, it's four weeks, I, I would say 
it's worth worth seeing how he's progressing because um, that'll put him back week six or week seven. It'd be nice to have him for the stretch run. Uh, so if you're just trying to, if you're just going to put him on your IR, which is fine, or if you can stash him on your bench uh, to to hold for now, uh, I think the the two options that kind of jump out at me, uh, tight end, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins should be out there on the waiver wire. Uh, he uh, was suspended for the first two games. He's returning to the Jets uh, lineup uh, this week, week three. Uh, he's cleaned up his life. He's quit drinking. You remember he had some attitude problems while he was in Tampa. Uh, he lost 25 pounds uh, and reportedly looked like the best uh, offensive player, one of the best offensive players on the Jets uh, this summer and spring, which isn't maybe saying a whole lot, but uh, that, that team needs playmakers in the passing game. And, and uh, you know, Josh McCown does have a history of, of throwing to the tight end. He, he enhanced uh, Gary Barnage's numbers quite a bit. Uh, while they were in Cleveland together. Uh, the other option maybe is Ben Watson for, for Baltimore. He played 74% of the snaps, uh, had eight catches for 91 yards and eight targets uh, against Cleveland. Um, he had a goose egg, though, uh, in week one. So, uh, you know, caution there. He's older, and, and I think he's 37, uh, coming off that Achilles injury. So uh, he, he may not be too dependable. Uh, but I think for a short three- to four-week uh, period, he could be serviceable in that offense. Let's talk about some other tight ends, too. Rob Gronkowski, he's week-to-week. He suffered a strained groin in that victory against the Saints. Thankfully, he had a monster game. Uh, His backup is Dwayne Allen. And then the other tight end, Jordan Reed in Washington, he left Sunday's game against the Rams in L.A. He had a chest injury. What about Vernon Davis? You were just throwing out some potential waiver-wire pickups at the tight end position. Any interest in Davis? Well, they also have Niles Paul there, uh, so I'm pulling up this, our snap app right now just to see who's who played the most there. It looks like uh, you know Vernon came in and played 55 snaps, Jordan Reed played 40 snaps, and Niles Paul played 36 snaps. So, so I guess Vernon Davis would would be the pickup if if Jordan Reed can't play. But he returned uh, to the game in the fourth quarter uh, and played through the injury. Uh, again, Pro Football Doc on Twitter uh, wrote about. The type of joint sprain that he has, apparently, he thinks that uh, that Reed has an SC joint sprain. That's a sternoclavicular. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it's less common, more painful than the AC joint sprains, but uh, players can play through them if they are on medication or uh, or whatever. So uh, he may be able to continue to play. I guess we'll see this week if he's uh, uh, able to practice. But generally, when t- players return to the game, uh, I assume that they're in for the following game unless they re-injure the the injury. Let's talk. This is this is going to apply not only to our injury fallout, but but also our RBBC discussion. But but Rob Kelly, he suffered a rib injury. He may have fractured ribs. He suffered that late in the first half against the Rams yesterday. That led to Chris Thompson rushing three times for seventy-seven yards. He had two touchdowns. He caught three of his seven targets for twenty-nine yards. Rookie uh, Sam Pirine also added sixty-seven yards on twenty-one carries while catching his lone target for no gain. If Kelly misses time with a rib, rib injury, is P. Ryan worth an add? And then how does Kelly's absence also impact Thompson's role? Well, I think Chris Thompson is the best running back on this roster, but he's slight of build, and uh, they're, they're not willing to feature him in a big carry. They're probably wise not to do to do so. So they, they've been splitting this job up into two parts, and one is the first and down, first and second down uh ball carrier and then uh, Chris Thompson comes in on, on uh, in, in hurry up situations third down he gets some carries uh, he's very explosive um, PPR formats I think he has the most value of any of these guys but P Ryan uh, if 
if uh, if Kelly's out for a, a significant amount of time, then P. Ryan will have a chance to to get 10 to 15 carries, depending on how the running game's going in any particular game. Uh, again, Pro Football Doc, he says uh, that based on what he saw and, and the comments after the game by uh, uh, by the head coach there, uh, Jay Gruden, uh he was thinking two to three weeks with a non-displaced fracture. Uh, they take x-rays after, uh, during the game. And then usually the, the more severe rib injury is, uh, I guess that's the displaced fracture, uh, is visible on the, on the x-ray. Uh, so the way that, uh, they were talking after the game, the Redskins, uh, coaching staff, um, it sounded like it was a non-displaced fracture and that would be two to three weeks. So that's what, uh, pro football docs, uh, David Chow, Dr. David Chow, his guess right now is two to three weeks. All right, John, I want to get your, your take on, Cohen and the Bears RBBC situation. Uh, but before we do, it's not too late to download the highest rated fantasy app. It's called Draft. Compete in real live snake drafts, but be done in under five minutes. And they only last for one week. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now for the week. Uh, it, we're heading into week three after the Monday night football game. Here's the best part. Play for cold, hard cash and get this. Your chances of winning are 80% better than on any of the salary cap sites. All new players get a free entry into Real Money Draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code, which is 4 for 4. That's right, you can play for Real Money for free just by using our promo code, the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4. Just search Draft in your app store or, or go to Draft.com and, com- and uh, you can compete in free drafts right now. Don't forget our promo code, which is the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4. Let's dive into those RBBC uh, situations, John. We'll start off with the Jets. Below Powell turned 17 snaps into 13 rushing yards on six carries. He failed to catch both of his targets. Matt Forte actually finished with 28 snaps. He rushed nine times for 53 yards. What should owners do with Powell? Is he safe to drop or should they sit tight? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think uh, the Jets are trying to win? No, I don't. (laughs) Uh, My take on this... Because, I mean, Matt Forte is not playing bad. I mean, nine, nine carries, 53 yards, four, four receptions, 38 yards. That's not, that's pretty good production. Uh, but my, my thinking is they're trying to feature him for, to get something out of him via trade. Um, so last year we had a pretty big sample size with uh, Powell and, you know, showing that he was the better running back at this stage of each of their careers, but Forte is looking a little bit better this year. Um, I, I certainly think that uh, if you have Powell and you are, are looking to pick up a Cohen or uh, somebody like that, uh, you can certainly uh, cut him and uh, and make that move because right now it doesn't look like he's uh, going to get the, the necessary workload to be uh, a viable fantasy starter for now. But, I mean, I think this could change quickly if, if uh, a, a team that's in need of a, a veteran running back uh, decides to trade for Forte and then suddenly you have Powell at the top of that depth chart again. But, you know, he was out-touched by Elijah McGuire as well. Um, seven touches to six. So that's a little bit alarming if you're you know, expecting Powell to to start for you. So I, he's definitely benched until we start to see a turnaround in snaps and touches. All right, let's go to Seattle. C.J. Procise caught three of six targets for 22 yards, while Thomas Rawls rushed five times for four yards in the Seahawks' win over the 49ers. Rawls got the start, but he played just 16 snaps. Chris Carson, meanwhile, played 51 snaps while seeing 15 more carries, gaining 89 more yards on the ground. Is Carson the clear back to own in Seattle? There's a phrase that comes to mind with this. That's, quote, that escalated quickly. 
<laughs> little Ron Burgundy. Yeah, it went uh it went from Carson being, you know, the fourth running back on this depth chart. Uh, you know, they did they were talking about him, you know, in the offseason how much they like him and everything, but you know, Pete Carroll's pretty rose-colored and positive about every player on his roster uh for the most part. So it's hard to take that uh, too seriously when he was gushing about Chris Carson in the offseason because he was also talking about Rawls and he, you know he was positive about Lacey and Procise and um, but it, it it really you know with with Rawls coming back I thought he was going to see the ten to fifteen carries with Carson sprinkling in for five to ten and Lacey was a healthy scratch so I think we we know where he stands on the on the depth chart uh, but now at this point I think Chris Carson is the is the priority on the waiver wire. If you're looking for a running back, it looks like he's going to be uh, the, the primary lead back. And until he falters, um, you could pretty much count on him having RB two type uh, uh, workload. And uh, you know, Rawls had his chance. He got the start, but uh, didn't do much. And, and Carson just showed more punch yesterday. Uh, they may, they may kind of turn back to, 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 to Rawls here uh, as they get him back in the swing of things. But um, you know, with the way that Carol, Carol has been talking about Carson and, and the amount of work that he's been seeing over the last two weeks, uh, it looks like it's his job at this point. Kind of an interesting situation in Baltimore now. Terrence West rushed eight times for 22 yards. He had a touchdown. He also caught two, two both of his targets for 23 yards in the Ravens' win over the Browns. That said, Pro Football Focus had a note that Buck Allen outsnapped West by a 43-16 to margin. Allen rushed 14 times. For 66 yards, he also caught five of six targets for 35 yards and a touchdown. So he's more active in the passing game. Are both West and Allen flex options, John? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Javoris Allen is the better option in PPR formats at this point, uh, just given his involvement in the uh, passing game. Six targets, five catches. Uh, He had the receiving touchdown. Uh, He ended up with 21.1 fantasy points in PPR. Terrence West got the goal line as a short yardage uh Touchdown ended up with 10.5 in standard, 12.5 in, in PPR. Uh, it's, this looks like it's shifting towards, towards Allen being, you know, the quote unquote lead back. I mean, he had 19 touches compared to West's 10. And this is a game, uh, that the Ravens led the most of the way, which is a game you would think that the pounder would, uh, lead the team in touches. So, um, yeah, it, it's shifting here to where Allen, I think, is the lead back. West is still startable in, in standard. As a flex, but I think next week I'll be having uh, Allen. I don't. I don't know who they play offhand, but you know, have Allen ranked in the twenty to twenty-five range, and and West probably ranked in the thirties. Let's move on to the Bears situation. So Jordan Howard is banged up at the moment, uh, and Tariq Cohen was once again heavily featured in the passing game for the Bears. He caught eight of nine targets for fifty-five yards in the loss to the Buccaneers. He also rushed seven times for thirteen yards. He out-touched Howard 15-9, and then Howard was also spotted. I mentioned the injury issue. He was spotted after the game with his right arm in a sling. Is Cohen an every-week RB2, or does it depend on the matchup? I think certainly in PPR, he's a uh, every uh, every-week RB2. Um, I had somebody on Twitter before, as I'm working on my rankings, say uh, Tariq Cohen over Jordan Howard, LOL, like – making fun of my rankings. And so I, so I, like any uh, uh, vindictive, vengeful uh, fantasy ranker, I saved that tweet for later um, and retweeted it after Cohen outscored him 12, 12.8 to 0.7 in PPR. Uh, I had Howard ahead of Cohen in standard 
Um, but in PPR, I had Cohen uh, about 10, eight to 10 spots ahead of Howard. So Howard doesn't catch any passes. Uh, he's coming off the shoulder injury. It was questionable. Uh, the, the Buccaneers had a, uh, have a really good defense. And I just felt like this was not a good spot, uh, for Howard. Certainly, uh, in PPR formats, not a good spot. Um, Cohen, for his part, is leading the team and targets pretty much. And he, he's going to see four to six catches on a bad day uh, because this Bears team is going to be trailing a lot and going to have to throw the ball. They, they've lost Cameron Meredith. They lost uh, Kevin White. They just don't have the receiving weapons. And he's uh, their best. He's their best receiver, uh, receiving weapon in the passing game. So, uh, I think in PPR formats, he's turning into like a, like a Darren Sproles type and that gives him uh, RB2 numbers. And then obviously he carries the ball a little bit. Uh, and if Howard's going to be dinged up now uh, with a shoulder injury, you could see Cohen, uh, you know, pushing 20 touches. I don't know if he's going to hold up to that workload either, but he's certainly going to be valuable while he, while he does. Let's talk about the Saints. Adrian Peterson carried the ball eight times for 26 yards in that loss to the Patriots. Mark Ingram rushed eight times for 52 yards. He also caught four or five targets for 24 yards. Should owners just steer clear of Peterson? And what are what are reasonable expectations for Ingram? Is he still a solid RB2? Yeah, I think uh, Ingram had uh, a lot of his yardage on that last drive. Uh, he had like a 20 or 30-yard carry uh, with the Patriots sort of in prevent defense. And uh, so he didn't play particularly well, although he was involved in the uh, passing game, uh, four for 24 uh, there. Uh, Kamara had a, a drop. Uh, he had three catches for, for 51 yards. Uh, in the passing game, he's going to be involved. They, they're going to keep getting him involved. Uh, he played more snaps than Peterson, but I, I don't think Peterson's going to be startable most weeks. I think, and maybe in a standard format where he's uh, where he's going to play a lot is going to be a game where the uh, the Saints have a, a seven or ten point spread, uh, and they're expected to lead, and they're able to to salt away the lead in the second half. Uh, but I don't know how many games the, the Saints are going to have like that with uh, with this defense. Uh, they've, they've given up a lot of points in the first two games, so. Um, I, I still think Ingram is the, is the, has the most value in this, in this backfield. Um, uh, Camera, uh, Kamara, uh, with three catches, 51 yards, and his involvement so far, seven catches on the year in the passing game, uh, has some value in PPR, but you can't count on that week to week, uh, if he, he's splitting that time with Ingram. All right, the Patriots situation is always interesting. Mike Gillisley rushed 18 times for 69 yards, and he scored a touchdown in that blowout win over the uh, Saints. Rex Burkhead saw five touches in the first half. He caught a 19-yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady. I believe it was the first touchdown of the game. And then he exited with a ribs injury. James White caught all eight of his targets, turned that into 85 yards. He also rushed twice for 11 yards. With the Patriots thin at receiver, is White a great PPR play moving forward? And is Gillisley a must-start RB2 given his role uh, at the goal line? Yeah, I mean, I think White, even without these injuries, White was a good uh, PPR play. I mean, I picked him up in the ninth round a lot in those MFL 10s. Uh, my drafts, I just thought he was undervalued. Uh, especially now with the with the injuries that they have, he's outstanding uh, PPR play, White. Uh Gillisley, you just sort of have to get the touchdown. Uh, otherwise, he's not going to have much value for you. He, he did manage 69 yards on 18 carries. Uh, he found the end zone once. This was a game where I thought that Tom Brady was going to go off uh, after reading Lord Lord Reeb's article over at uh, Roto World. He does this uh, article called The Worksheet, and he had a stat where in the last five games where Tom Brady hasn't um, thrown a touchdown pass, he has averaged 
or he's thrown at least three touchdowns in the following game. So this is, wow. it worked out in the first half that uh, Brady was able to get those three touchdowns. Uh, although he didn't have any in the uh, second half. Um, so this looked to me like it was going to be a, a Brady game, but Gilsa did get the uh, touchdown after uh, Brady like underthrew Brandon Cooks a little bit. He went down at the two yard line, and I think that's when Gilsley got his touchdown. Uh, Burkhead is involved early. Uh, he's a good player. Uh, it just depends on you know if he's going to be healthy now. Uh, but they they've started him, and he was involved I, I think in the first two plays, uh, and then got the touch the first touchdown of the game uh, for the Patriots. So. This is going to be kind of a three-headed running back situation when, uh, when Burkhead, White, and Gillisley are all healthy. But the, the two guys that I feel most confident in are Gillisley and White because Gillisley, you know, is going to get the short yardage work as long as he keeps uh, putting the end zone, not fumbling. And White, you know, is, is has the lead, uh, a significant lead on Burkhead and Lewis for the passing down work. Let's do one more, and then we'll maybe talk about some waiver wire pickups. Uh, the Cardinals, since since David Johnson went down, is such a big topic last week. Let's talk about them. Kerwin Williams rushed nine times for 22 yards in the Cardinals' Week 2 win over the Colts. Chris Johnson, meanwhile, after being picked back up by Arizona, rushed 11 times for 44 yards. What did you make of the David Johnson-less Cardinals situation? At first glance, you, you would want a lot more from Kerwin Williams. Nine carries, 22 yards, and a matchup with the uh, with the Colts. Uh, but I think the Colts rush defense is a little bit better than they have been in years past. They did a pretty good job on, uh, Todd Gurley, um, last week, uh, week one. Um, but for Kerwin Williams, he's already been out touched now, out carried by Chris Johnson, 11 carries for 44 yards for Chris Johnson. Uh, the snaps were pretty even. So I think we're going to see this uh, turn into a committee. And, and I would say right now that Chris Johnson probably has the advantage leg up on, on Kerwin Williams based on, um, how they, how they both played uh, this week against the Colts. Uh, Andre Ellington is going to be the main receiving back. So this is pretty much a situation, I think, to avoid unless you see uh, Johnson um, or, or Williams really emerge as the lead lead back. Um, Ellington could be used maybe in uh, in good matchups in, as a primary PPR, like a flex play. Um, but uh, even... Even so, I mean, it's just, you know, five touches for him. It's just not enough to, to be viable. I think we would just have an ugly committee on our hands at this point. Any other waiver wire watches? Any players that you kind of uh, think are going to be hot names this week? Any names that we haven't discussed yet? Well, I think Chris Carson, as I mentioned before, is the priority at, at running back. Uh, Trevor Simeon at quarterback uh, has really played well the first two weeks from a fantasy standpoint and a real-world standpoint. Uh, he has Buffalo and Oakland the next two weeks, so quarterback streamers uh, can hold on to him or pick him up. Uh, for these for these Cardinals that we were just discussing, J.J. Nelson, he played 77, 76% of the snaps. He had five catches uh, and a touchdown in two straight weeks. Uh, it sort of depends on how quickly John Brown can get healthy, but I would say at this point it's not looking like John Brown will will play uh, 12, 13 games this year. It looks like he might uh, miss half the season uh, you know, on and off uh, game here or there with this uh, quad injury he's got. Uh, also at receiver, some other names, Alan Hearns, Marquise Lee for, for Jacksonville. They both had pretty good games uh, there uh, with Blake Bortles slinging the ball against Tennessee. Uh, Richard Higgins uh, in Cleveland, he outsnapped and outplayed uh, Kenny Britt. He's not a very good athlete, but he's producing. And then you have Corey Coleman uh, breaking his hand, might be out a while. Uh, with that injury, uh, finally two more receivers. If you uh, need one week, one week specials, Brandon Coleman, 
with Willie Sneed still out. He had four catches for 82 yards uh, and a touchdown on six targets against the Patriots. Um, it looked like Drew Brees is getting frustrated with Ted Ginn. Uh, he had a, a touchdown uh, to catch in his hands. It got knocked away. It was a pretty nice play by the defensive back. And then again, didn't turn back around on a fourth down play where they, they looked for him in the end zone. I, I still haven't seen Ginn get uh, a target where uh, he's able, has enough space to get behind the defense and have Brees, you know, lead him. Uh, it's been more contested catches with Ginn. That's not really his strength. Uh, but it looks like Cole, he, uh, Brees has more confidence in Coleman right now. And then Jermaine Curse, of course, uh, the, the lead receiver there for the Jets. Uh, he's been, he had two touchdowns there against Oakland. Uh, he has, he has Miami this week, so that's a pretty good matchup. Uh, uh, and he, I guess he's the lead receiver. He's a wide receiver one there for the Jets. And so he has value. He's, he's worth, a, he's worth a start if you're in a pinch. Let's round it up with a, uh, let's wrap it up, excuse me, with a roundup on Monday night football. The big question is whether or not Odell Beckham Jr. is going to play. Apparently he's going to test the ankle before the game tonight, just like he did last week. There's a good chance that he's going to play. I'll just tell you from a personal standpoint, I drafted Odell in one league. I'm not playing him tonight. I went with some options on Sunday. I've seen Roddy White try to play on a high ankle sprain, and it was a disaster for a long time. So I'm staying away from Odell, but that's just my personal thoughts. What about yours? Yeah, yesterday when I saw that it was not necessarily trending the right way or up or really optimistically, I moved him way down my rankings. I have him at 30. I uh, just felt like even if he is, there's a chance that he's not he's not active at all, which is obviously a goose egg. So I wanted owners yesterday to uh, look at their roster and if they had a decent option there in the top 25 or 30 to, to use it because, you know, where most uh, people had Beckham ranked, they would have benched him for Martavis, you know, or they would have played him over Martavis Bryant and Keenan Allen and some other players like that. And I don't think that was uh necessarily good advice uh so i felt like i had to move him down out of my top i had him at 13 i think on friday i moved him down from 13 down to 30 um and it just doesn't seem like it's a sure thing he plays i mean i know there's some optimism towards it he says he has a what a four to eight week or a six to eight week injury um he's there's some footage of him warming up and he's not landing on the foot uh without having the other foot there as well so he's not landing on his his bad ankle by itself uh, which is probably smart, but it also shows that it's not there. Um, and uh, there, according to Adam Schefter, there is, quote, uh, real doubt uh, whether he will play, uh, end quote, uh, per sources. So it's it's looking dicey. Uh, you could maybe pick up Roger Lewis. Um, Sterling Shepard might be out there in, in uh, shallow leagues. I think he's the biggest beneficiary. Him and Brandon Marshall would uh, probably lead the team in, in targets, but, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard looked a lot better than Marshall did last week. Uh, I got one pick for you tonight if you're interested. I, I like the Lions getting the points. I think that with the Giants' offensive line issues and the fact that Odell is banged up, I don't think the the Giants are, are the team that a lot of people thought they, they were at the start of the year, in essence of you know being one of the leading contenders to win the NFC East. The Lions, the line went from 5-3. to three. I would still take the three points with the Lions. So that's, that's my play for tonight, John. Yeah, and Janoris Jenkins is questionable or is he out i think he's uh, out that's a that's a that's a bad loss for the giants if he is out yeah he's uh obviously he's the one that limited 
uh, Des Bryant last week and uh, would be a big upgrade for the uh, the passing game for Matthew Stafford. I felt a lot better about uh, having to start Matthew Stafford this week when I when I saw that injury occur. I think he's questionable uh, for tonight, so uh, check on that. Uh, and then Beckham, like just back to circle back to him. You know, if he plays, he's not going to be 100. percent He still has the talent and the ability to catch a you know a couple touchdowns, especially in the red zone where he doesn't have to. Uh, you know, run a, a long distance and try to create separation that way. He's just got such good ball adjust, uh, adjustment on the ball. Uh, but I just, I, I feel like they might just have him out there as a, as a, um, as a decoy, uh, maybe give him a couple targets here and there, but uh, he's not going to be a feature part of the passing game given the state of that ankle. All right. Great stuff as always. John, you can follow him on Twitter at four for four underscore John. You can follow me at Anthony Stalter if you're so inclined. Be sure to check out our Friday edition of the most accurate podcast and we'll see you then.